everybody, whether you're the president of a company or the paperboy, everybody has the exact same amount of time. You and I both have 24 hours a day. No more, no less. The question is, what do you do with your time? Real quick, my friends, go get my new book. It's called The Power to Publish. And it's at the top of the page of zbooks.co at the link, my new book. And it's going to help you with all of your self-publishing needs. Okay, back to that podcast. Welcome to ZBook's Successful Author Podcast. And with me, I have the author, Lareda Horner-Miller. The number one bestseller in five categories. She wrote the book Coronavirus Reflections, Bitter or Better. Hi, Lareda. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm good. Winter's coming. I'm in Germany, and it's getting cold out there. How's the weather? Where, where are you at? I live in New Mexico, outside of Albuquerque, and we're cold. How many degrees? I think it's... Uh, in the 40s it's not super cold right now but we're in the 40s yeah that's cold enough that's cold we've got plus degrees too right now we're not technically freezing yet (laughs) yeah Yeah. so what got you started in writing well i i it's interesting because i thought about this i am uh, someone that got spurred on in high school Um, I wrote an essay and threw it on the dining room table. And my uncle, I I grew up in a little ranching community in southeastern Colorado. And my uncle came over to help my dad do something on the ranch and ate lunch with mom and dad and picked up my essay and said, oh, my goodness. I was a senior in high school. And he goes, oh, my goodness. I was planning to become a beautician. And he said, don't waste yourself being a beautician. You should be a writer. And I just put that on a hook. I didn't, you know, I continued down the path that I had chosen. And then a teacher of mine came back for a reunion that we had a couple years after that. And she was my journalism teacher in high school. And she said, I won a copy, a signed copy of your first book. Well, you know, I put that on a hook, but then I was just someone that just didn't pursue it. And I, uh, Um, got divorced and went back to school. I was a beautician, went back and became a teacher. And of course, I was an English teacher. And so I uh, had to write lots of papers for that degree. And we had one professor there. I went to Colorado State University in Fort Collins, Colorado. And what he would do is he assigned different essays for us. And then he would pick the top two essays and read them to the class. And I'll never forget the day that he read one of my essays. And it was like, oh, my God. And then I watched the people around me, you know, and it was like, oh, my gosh. You know, I, I did. I did really well on that. But I still, you know, went on with life. I you didn't, didn't start writing didn't yet. grab no. it right then. Yeah. Well, I did, but I just did. I, I wrote, a, I wrote a, a historic fiction, but I put it in the drawer for 30 years. Hmm. So. Hmm. And, and so is this the first book you've written in 30 years? No, no. Oh. The Coronavirus Reflection book is my sixth book. Okay. I wrote, yeah, my first one I wrote was uh, This Tumbleweed Landed, and it's a memoir 
of my life growing up in that small ranching community during the 50s and 60s. And it's a collection of uh, poetry and prose. Then I did write that historic, I grabbed that historic fiction out of the drawer and I published that one. And then um, my dad, uh, my dad and I put together a really fun book for his 75th birthday. And it's a nonfiction about how my grandfather put our ranch together during the depression when others mm. were losing theirs. So I published that. Oh, wow. And then I, uh, I did another book. Uh, my mom passed away in 2013 and I wrote a grief memoir. Um, the name of it is The Time to Grow Up, a daughter's grief memoir. And then <laughs> I, uh, I, was, uh, I got caught up. I had the privilege of writing uh, the biography of the most famous square dance caller in the world. His name was Marshall Flippo. And I wrote that. That really kind of kept the pandemic going. I, I was occupied doing that during the pandemic. Hmm. So the name of that is just another square dance caller, um, authorized biography of Marshall Flippo. So that was my fifth book. And so the coronavirus reflection book is my sixth. And I have three cookbooks. Oh, nice, nice. What are they called? Uh, from Granny's Kitchen. And what they are is a collection of my mother's um, recipes. What I did, I did them for, for a family Christmas presents after my mom passed away. And I scanned in her recipe cards. Mm -hmm. And so there's three of them in this series. And so you see her handwriting and, you know, people of that era, their handwriting is so beautiful. Yeah, and then she crazy. has little notes. Yeah. She has little notes on the side, you know, very good. And you can see mm -hmm. where she used them and her fingerprints are on them. So turns out they my, you know, I only plan to do them for my family, but my family said, no, these are great. You better sell mm -hmm. these. So I have awesome. Yeah, I was uh, whenever I saw my grandmother's handwriting, it was amazing. Don't they teach writing in school anymore? They don't anymore. Cursive is, is out the door, which I don't understand that. Oh, oh, well, crazy. that's another topic for another interview, huh? <laughs> yeah. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah. OK, yeah, I was looking at your book. So you're a square dancer, too. Yes, I grew up square dancing. My dad was our 4-H uh, club caller, and my mom and dad were square dancing the night before I was born. So they said it was in my blood. So, yes, wow. I love cool. it. I've square danced all over the United States. Nice. And are you in a club or something? I'm in a club, and then yeah. um, I'm in two or three clubs in, mm -hmm. in the Albuquerque area. Yeah. And then we have a square dance hall in Albuquerque and my husband and I are, are on the board that runs the square dance club. Yeah. Cool. Dance hall. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty cool. All right then. Well, tell us about your book, the coronavirus reflections. Well, what happened, what started it all was um, my husband and I had traveled to Spain in March of uh, 2020, we were in Madrid on the 8th of March. And on the 9th of March, we got home. On the 8th of March, Spain had 500 cases. And when we got home, they had 1,500. And we just knew that we were going to get the virus. So we self-quarantined for two weeks. We're on our iPads checking numbers all the time and just, you know, in the midst of that initial insanity. 
I have a weekly blog that I do. And one of the ways that I've always processed any deep emotions is writing, is writing mm -hmm. either through prose or poetry. So I started writing my, my experience, how I was feeling with all of the craziness that was going on. And so I had some of my readers emailed me and said, wow, thank you for, for sharing your thoughts. You know, you're, you're voicing what I'm feeling. I couldn't put it into words, you did. So those blog posts inspired this book. And um, what it is, is it's a collection. It's, a, it's 31 chapters. Each chapter starts off with a picture. I'm a visual person and I love pictures. A very uh, stimulating picture, a quote, and then my experience with that topic of, of the chapter. And then um, the chapter ends with a probing question. So the book could be really is a, a, an opportunity for people to look back, read, reflect, and respond to what happened to them during the pandemic. You know, it's, it's um, really focused on 2020 and the early part of 2021. Yeah, I like what you wrote there. Um, it says, bitter or better, life hands us a curveball every once in a while. Then we have the option of how we respond. And you had several of those opportunities in your life. You want to tell us about them? Well, yes, I've, I've been handed lots of curveballs in my life. Um, I uh, am in recovery. I have been in recovery for 33 years, so... I have walked that road and um, all of that uh, handed me lots of curveballs in my life. Hmm. Um, my my um, dad, when my dad passed away, I, I was sober, thank God, and was able to deal with that. And then when my mom got sick and passed away, well, when she got sick, she moved to Albuquerque and moved with us. And I was her primary care uh, giver for um, three months. She went very quickly. So that was a hard one to deal with. Um, I wanted children my whole life and um, it never happened. So I've had lots of um, heartbreak along the way. Hmm. Yeah, it says here you knew 55 people, five of which who died from coronavirus. Was that all in the United States? Yes. And that number has grown. I, oh. I'm still keeping the list. And I, I just I just added to the list today. Um, I now know 100 people that have gotten it, and I know 10 people that have died. So that's really interesting. Look at that. 100 people I know, mm -hmm. and 10 have died. So that's a 10%. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I don't know. I know one. I know one. Uh, but I haven't counted all that I know uh, that have gotten it. Uh, it's also a lot. Uh, yeah, terrible stuff. It says here also that you want... You, People can use your book like a journal. How is that? Well, you know, one of the things that is a key part of my life is journaling. I started many years ago using Julia Cameron's. I read Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way. And so I've written morning pages. I'm on my 169th uh, notebook. And mm. so I've used the, the gift or the tool of journaling for many, many years. And so using this book as a guide, reading the chapter and then responding to the questions, it certainly can be used as a journal. And you can write right in the book, or if you have, a, if you have an electronic version, you can make your own journal up too. 
So, or if you're a journal writer and you have your own journal, you can write in there. But um, I'm a strong believer that journaling is, has been the key to a lot of my um, success in my life. Yeah, I'm a big fan too. Uh, I really believe in that. And you mentioned morning pages. I've heard of them. And aren't those the ones that you, the, the stream of thought that you write and then you throw them away later? Well, you, you, you don't necessarily throw them away because um, I, I actually saw Julia Cameron in Santa Fe in 2014 mm -hmm. at a writing conference. And I asked her the question. They had a question and answer session. It was Julia Cameron and Natalie Goldberg, two of my absolute heroes in the writing world. And so I asked her the question during the question and answer series. I said, what do you do with your morning pages notebooks? And uh, she just laughed and she said, well, I have lots of them because she, she's been doing them. I've probably been doing them 20 years mm -hmm. and she's been doing them longer than that. And she said, well, I have I have a line in my will that they are to be burned before I'm burned. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, yeah. you know, she she keeps them and I've kept them, too. You know, I've, I've kept them. I've got a, uh, boxes in my storage shed. But yeah, they're for nobody else's eyes. They're yours they're mm. for you only. And and do you journal first thing in the morning or once a day or twice a day? I do it first thing in the morning. She really, she really encourages you as the creative person because she really believes, you know, the artist way was written not just for writers. It was written for anybody that is a creative person. And she believes that those cre those creative juices are right there on the surface when you get up in the morning. So it needs to be like the first thing you do. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that is, that's what I try. I mean, nobody can do it perfectly, but yeah. And um, it's a good way to start the day. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm doing it in the morning too. Now I've, I've tried many ways and, uh, uh, uh a person I, I interviewed on my blog um, on on my channel is uh, Benjamin Hardy. He's really big into the journaling technique too, and I I'm I'm using his technique now every morning, and and it's really cool. I really like it, so I'm 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 gonna stick with that one. And oh yeah, I'm a big believer in journals now. I highly recommend it uh, to everyone, uh, especially kids. Kids need to start journaling, and. Uh, Anyway, uh, tell us more about your blog, too. So uh, that was like the basis for your book. And what, what's the name of your blog? Can we still see it? Well, it, yes, yes. It's on my web page, and it's Loretta's blog. You can go to my web page, loretasbooks.com, and it's there. And um, it's something I started, ooh, I started it eight years ago. In fact, my the post I just did this last week was, look, I, I always like to in January, look at the previous year. And I gather statistics. I'm a, I'm a, a statistic person. I'm a computer person. So I'm a, one of those nerds. And so I look at all the statistics and um, am very uh, interested. So um, I wrote about what it, what happened last year for me in my blog. And what I do is I usually focus on a variety of topics. I do I, I, I have dedicated one blog a month to Marshall Flippo, the square dance caller, because his life was so big that I liked. He was uh, in his um, early, he was like 90 when he died. So I focus on just a different chapter in a different part of his life every month. 
But then I also focus on writing. Uh, I'm, I'm a poet, so I share my poetry. And then I share about life. And it was funny in November, I did a challenge, a blog challenge. A friend of mine, a writing friend of mine told me about it. It was called the ultimate blog challenge. And it was to write a blog post every day in November. And I think they were kind of piggybacking on NaNoWriMo, that whole idea of writing a novel in, yeah. in November. So I did it. I missed, I missed the first day because I didn't know about it. So hmm. out of that writing, it was really fun. But out of that writing, I came up with my mission statement, which is I'm a baby boomer with a purpose. <laughs> cool. And so yeah. <laughs> that is going to, that's going to be a focus of mine coming up in, in this next year. So awesome. I write about a variety of things, but hmm. a lot of things that are going on in my life in the world. I do current events a lot too. Hmm. Yeah, it's nice. I, I saw some of it. Um, um, but you just said boomer. Is boomer, is that an insult now? Are you allowed to call people boomers? <laughs> I, you know, there's such mixed feelings about baby boomers. It's, yeah. it's hilarious. I just have to accept the fact that that's who I am. And yeah. I, I want to have a purpose. You know, I, I'm 68 years old. And I, I know so many people that retire and their goal is to sit in front of the TV and watch soap operas and drink beer. And that certainly isn't my, my purpose in life, you know? And so mm. really my purpose is, is to share my, my thoughts and share my voice. Nah, that's excellent. I want to retire early because I, I don't want to, you know, uh, work and I'd rather write, you know? And um, yeah. so um, what is... um. But what years are baby boomers? I don't even know what generation I am. What's? I think it's like, I was born in 53 and I think I'm just right on the edge of it. So uh -huh. what comes it's after gotta be baby like boomers? in the early, um, I'm not sure. I'm oh, not me sure. neither. Okay, I'll have to Google it. <laughs> I'll Google it. If you don't mind, I'd like to test you from your book. I wanna read one paragraph from your book. <laughs> okay. And, and see, okay. So as I moved to the holiday aisle, malted Easter eggs lured me in. Impulse buying. No, it's Easter time. I always buy them at Easter. I resorted to my normal routine, two bags. When I got home, I wolfed down one whole bag immediately and gained three pounds the next morning. <laughs> Can you expound on that? Well, I was, that was, um, I believe that was kind of like the first time I went to the grocery store or some of the first time I went to the grocery store after I had been self-quarantined because we were getting close to Easter. And, you know, comfort food is always the thing I turn to in stressful times. And man, those malted Easter eggs really, they did the bill. You know, they were exactly what I needed at the moment too. Yeah to quell the feelings that were there so everybody has their weakness so with you it's malted easter eggs with me it's mint oreos i love mint oreos yeah oh man you're making me hungry <laughs> okay okay what else um okay so yeah uh, you you use you can use your book as a journal you have uh, prompts in there but it's also a story at the same time and uh what um yeah. So what's the one, the one, what do you call it? If you, the readers can only get one thing out of your book, what do you want it to be? Well, I, I think what I want readers to walk away with is that we all experienced a horrible 
you know, life-changing time with the pandemic and that how we walk away from it, we have a choice. It can either make us bitter or better. And I struggled through the year that I journaled about, that I wrote about, and I, I wrestled with God. You know, I was angry. I was afraid. I was scared. I was um, all of those emotions that go with it. But it also, because I, I made the choice, I dove deeper spiritually. I've had a spiritual practice for many years and I made the choice to go deeper. And I think that was the thing that helped me walk away from it better. Not healed, not perfect, you know, it still goes on, you know, craziness is still happening today with it. But I was really able to put to rest in my heart my experience during that the beginning you know during that first year so um, so you so the reader has the choice you know and has and i challenge the reader to hmm. realize that they can either walk away bitter or better awesome uh you said spiritual practice what uh, can you tell me about that if you don't mind no, I, I would love to. Um, I do my morning pages every morning, and then I, I uh, read um, devotional material that has to do with recovery. Uh, I'm a Christian, and so I read Bible stuff. But this book is larger than Christianity. It, it would embrace anybody that's on a spiritual path. You know, I learned that in recovery, that there are lots of ways to heal and and it's and this book and my path is larger. I am a Christian, but it's larger than that. So I do that. I pray. I, I've added meditation during during the pandemic. I, I cited in the book. I came up with all these things about what I you know. I just I'm a doer. I just had to do something. So I read about in World War II. Uh, they did a prayer at nine o'clock worldwide. So I mm -hmm. I put out on Facebook to all my friends. You know, let's join, let's join each other and do a prayer at nine o'clock. And then my, my Catholic friends were, you know, communicating with me and I'm not Catholic, but I downloaded the rosary and I have a rosary that I got as a souvenir when I was in Germany uh, in 1999. And so I did the rosary for about three weeks. So, you know, I just tried everything, you know, and, and I, I, I do a lot of Buddhist reading and reading the Tao. So I just, I, during that time, I just enlarged, I enlarged and went deeper. And I, you know, and by going deeper, I think the thing that I did, and I, and I show this in the book is that I really identified the struggle, the wrestle with God, mm -hmm. you know, if you're out there, how can this happen? You know? And so, which is almost the stance of an agnostic, but I really went through through all of the feelings that I was going through at the time. And so that that's my spiritual path. Of course, being in recovery, I I attend regularly um, uh, 12 step meetings and mm -hmm. do that sort of work and have a sponsor and sponsor stu sponsor people in the program. So mm -hmm. it just was big and it yeah, continues that's... to. That's interesting because I think it brought a lot of people closer to whatever they want to call it. And, uh, you know, it's funny because you mentioned a lot of things. I was going to say, you sound like a California Christian, you know, Zen Buddhism, meditation, <laughs> Christianity. I'm from California. So I was saying, hey, are you from California too? You know, we just kind of mix and match. But 
Yeah, it's he who wrestles with God. Isn't that what the word Israel means, right? Yeah. 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 Interesting stuff. And I, I know I'm getting closer or, well, trying to find my spiritual path more and more as I get older. I was born in California and, and basically uh, agnostic, but never anti. And uh, I, I have stories about that, too. So I'm really interested in your path. Uh, very, very interesting. And um, so what else uh, do you ever get writer's block? Um, I, 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 I don't, but I do. <laughs> um, I have so many topics, you know, I have five books waiting, you know, they're, they're in the queue that I'm, 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 uh, wrestling on which one should I grab now? But one of the things that really helps me with that whole idea of writer's block is another writing practice that, uh, Natalie Goldberg started many, many years ago. And I used it with my students when I was teaching writing, you know, with sixth graders, I, I can remember them. They, they were so amazing. And it's called writing practice. And again, mm-hmm. it's, it's stream of consciousness writing, like, like uh, the morning pages. But it is, you can write about whatever you want, or you can write about a topic. But I would start each of my classes off with a prompt for them to write about. And then I would do my administration things. I had to do attendance. I had to do this. I had to do that. And I could usually jump in. I usually had about three or four minutes. So I always had my journal right by me and I would grab a seat and jump in and write with them. And that instilled in me a practice that I did with them. And then I stopped. I cannot believe I stopped that. And then I last March, I attended um, a two month writing course with Natalie and got going with it again. And I really know that writing practice for me, it's again, a daily practice, 10 minutes, write whatever you want, stream of consciousness, or you can do topics. And I, that's the thing that really gets through the writing blocks for me. And I use that practice whenever I was writing, um, when I was doing the um, coronavirus book too. Oh, so. yeah. And you taught writing to, to which grade? Sixth graders. Oh, awesome. And I have yeah. done it lately too. Over the last, <laughs> before the pandemic, I did a memoir workshop in Albuquerque. And that was absolutely amazing to watch adults. Hmm. You know, I would do timed writing and I would give them prompts about things that were, you know, I'd give them my like ideas about, okay, let's write about the first five years or the first 10 years of your life. And they would write. And there's nothing more rewarding for a teacher seeing a room full of people with their, you know, their heads down and their hands going. So that's cool, yeah. Okay, so who's your favorite author? My favorite, I have, I have a couple. I, uh, Tony Hillerman, who writes about the uh, Native American world, uh, the Navajo world mostly, is probably my favorite Southwest writer. And Margaret Mitchell, I love Gone with the Wind. I will, that yeah. will always be the book that captured my heart in a way probably no other book did. Cool. Charles Dickens, too. Yeah. It, okay. That's the next question. Who's your favorite author? Oh, no, no. Your favorite book, your favorite book. Yeah. It's gone with the wind. I remember mm. when I read it when I was in junior it's, high. It's a long book. It's a thick book. It is. Yeah. That's why I got my Kindle. I was tired of ho- holding these heavy books and that's what actually got me into Kindle. It's just easier to hold, you know? Okay. 
Well, do you have any like productivity hacks or life hacks? Well, I, I do in, in the whole realm of how I did my life with writing. You know, I wrote my first book when I was going to college. So I was probably, we'll say 30 years old. I didn't publish a book until I was almost 60. <laughs> hmm. That's 30 years, you know. So I guess the thing that I would say that I really would like to share with people is if you are a writer, you don't put it on the back burner. You know, a lot of life demands out there. I know when I was working, it was hard to figure a time in to do the stuff that you need to do around writing, but you will regret it. I can guarantee you if you let 30 years disappear without doing doing the writing. And I know back 30 years ago, you know, I self-published my books and I know that that the the self-publishing world was a non-existent, you know, so it was a total different possibility then. But, you know, today you can self-publish, um, you can produce a book and you don't have to do the, you know, I, I read stories about people before the self-publishing world came in where they they got with like a hybrid or you know got some company to publish them they had 10,000 and they could only print 10,000 copies so yeah. they had their garage full of 10,000 books that <laughs> you know who, who knows if they were going to sell them or not so I would just say you know go go for it you know mm. go for it mm. that's kind of my next question what's the one thing you would do different if you had to do it all over again I would publish earlier. I would yeah. I would believe I was a writer earlier. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and that has you can do that with journaling actually, talking to your future self. Yeah. Yes. All right. So what's on the horizon for you? Well, I like I said a while ago, I have five books that are lined up. Uh, hmm. the one that I'm gonna work on this year, I guess there's another thing that's on the horizon. I'm tackling audiobooks. Oh. I will be I will be finishing my first one this afternoon and uploading it to the two stations that I'm going to send it to. And then I'm going to do, then I'm, and I did my, the story about how my uh, family ranch was put together because that was the shortest book. So I wanted to learn the, the whole thing uh, the easiest way. So then I'm going to do my bitter or better book. And then I'm going to, I have scheduled out to do all my books. Hmm, cool. So that's, that's the that's the the major project there, but I'm also got a book on the I've got five books lined up. So the first one is the title is um, I said yes, and it's my process. It's two parts. It's my process of how I did the biography of Marshall Flipple, and then it's kind of a journal part, the first part, and then the second part is how to because I learned a lot when you're doing. Before that book, every book I wrote was my personal story or my personal information. When you're doing a biography, when you're talking about somebody else, there are so many pieces that you have to have lined up that I learned as I did. So that's the next one. Then I have three poetry books that, I, that are going to be a series. And then in uh, 2000. Let's see, 2016, I did a novel in NaNoWriMo. I wrote a novel. Oh, so cool. that is sitting and waiting to be. And I plan to do that before I, I, I uh, had the privilege of writing that biography. So it's been in the wings for a while. 
Yeah, well, good. You've got some busy stuff going on there. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I have a, I have too many books to do too, and and then it's a problem of focusing. Well, which one do you do first? You know. So uh, this year, though, that that was one of one of my um, what do you call it? My wins is that I prioritized my list of books. So because before I was just going back and forth and back and forth, and, and you can't do that. You know, I, I think you can't do that. You have to stick with one and finish yeah. it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We have time for one more question, a grab bag question. If you could eat dinner with anyone, past, present, or future, who would it be? You know, I, there are so many people in the past that I just absolutely love and, and followers of, but here we are so close to it. I think I would, I would uh, sit with Martin Luther King Jr., he was such an impact on my life. When I was teaching eighth graders, um, the month of January every year, we would do, um, I was teaching language arts and literature. We did a unit. I had a phenomenal unit on Martin Luther King and civil rights. Mm, and nice. so we actively, I got my students actively involved in civil disobedience. And they, I mean, they, they came to me, we were reading about it in Desert Stormhead at that time. And they said, Ms. Horner, we just read about the sit-ins and all of this is, can't we do something? Can't we sit in this war so wrong? Da, 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 da. So I went to my principal and, and asked him and he said, well, we, you can't do a demonstration against the war. So how about a, a sit-in for peace? So we just framed it different. And this was in a little school in, in Northern New Mexico. There's about 200 kids in the school. The whole school participated. My kid, my students and I organized it, but the whole school participated, and that was life changing. You know, I it was just amazing. One of the janitors had just been called up to he was in the um, reserves and he had just been called up, and so we had an open mic time, and uh, he uh, he came up and talked and cried, and we all cried because we loved him. But you know, Martin Luther King was such a believer in, in the whole concept of the civil disobedience, you know, which was Thoreau's idea. And it was just what we needed at the time, but it's what we need today. You know, mm -hmm. I love, I love his teachings are timeless. And I would just mm -hmm. like to sit at his side and say, you know, tell me about what the struggle really was for you. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we got to see this out here in his beautiful writing you know, but um, I don't know. I think he was life-changing. I would like to see what he would say today, you know, because the problem is everybody has their own interpretation, you know, and uh, so they're, they're really um, interviewing his daughter in, in TV a lot and trying to get to Martin Luther King through his daughter. I would, I would really like to see what he would say today to all of the happenings and stuff. Uh, yeah, that's, oh boy, we're going to have to do another podcast, maybe about that, you know? <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I would love it. I do have one more thing I want to jump in and say yeah. real fast about what I would say is a good life hack for writers is get in a writing group. Mm -hmm. I, I, that just came to me. I'm in, I'm in a, a writing group I've been in for four years that we critique each other's work. And then I'm in another writing group where we just do writing practice together every week and share our writing 
structure our writing practice with each other, that there's nothing more powerful than being together with mm -hmm. writers critiquing each other's work. That is a great tip. And you were talking about a method of writing, or was that what you taught the kids? Would it, uh, was, what, was, what was it called? Writing practice. That's Natalie Goldberg's um, method of, of writing. Natalie and she's Goldberg's method of writing. Yeah, she is, she is a phenomenal. I have a crate over here beside me with her books. I mean, she has written 15 books and still writing. And um, all of her books are, she has one novel, but all of her books are about writing. And, yeah. Uh, Life-changing. Absolute. Writing Down the Bone, that's the book that changed my life with my students. On um, That's the initial book she wrote. What's writing it called? Writing Down the Bones. The Bones. Bone. The Bone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Writing Down the Bone. That's a great tip. That's a great tip. I'm taking that. All right. So, well, Loreda. This has been pleasant, more than pleasant. I love talking about these things with you. Where can we find you online and where's your book? Okay, um, I have a website, laredasbooks.com. Let me spell it because it's a difference. Ah. L-A-R-A-D-A-S. That's my name, Lareda. Lareda's books, B-O-O-K-S.com. You can buy my books at Amazon. There are um, the uh, eBooks are all over the place and all the different platforms, not only just Amazon. Um, you can buy my books on uh, line on my website, but you can also get them at my Etsy shop, which is Lareda's Reading Loft, L-O-F-T. And uh, right now on Amazon, my book is discounted my ebook is discounted. The coronavirus book is discounted to two ninety nine, hmm. so you might want to cool. check that out because that price will be changing at the end of this month. And if you on my website uh, and join the email list, you will get the first chapter of the book. So if you want to go, it's a good way to do it too. Awesome! Did you say you're selling them on Etsy too? How do you do that? Yes, I have an Etsy shop and um, I sell them individually and I sell them in bundles. So but the PDF I have or the there, physical my book? That's the only place you can buy my cookbooks. It's ah, both. Okay. Cool. What you do is put in, or if you want the physical book, you can put an order into me, then I mail it out to you. So it's, it's an interface. It's like Shopify. Yeah, I like it's Etsy. I've, I've tried it. And so that's why I was a, it's uh, a, curious how you sell books on that. I'm going to check out your shop, young lady. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. do that. Do All that. right. It's a great place. I love it. Well, thank you for being here. And let me know when you publish that next book. I will. I certainly okay. will. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Okay, my friends, if you like that podcast, then remember to go to zbooks.co and go get all the materials to start your authoring career. We have a seven-day challenge every week, so there's no excuse to not finish your book. And remember, please go to iTunes and upload this podcast and Google Play. 
Okay, I look forward to seeing you at the top.